Hello guys and welcome back to the Big Screen Podcast. I'm Will. As ever nowadays, I am joined by my co-host, The Grinch. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Would you like Hi, some eggnog? Yes. Um, I've had it like once. It's a thing in the last two films and it makes me want to kill myself. And um, mm. what I'm alluding to there, of course, Home Alone. The franchise, not just the first one, otherwise we'd be singing his praises, or at least I would, and Theo here would be... Well, we're, we're going to get to in about a minute's time, but uh, safe to say, Theo does not think Home Alone is the pinnacle of Christmas, unlike a lot of people, so controversy ahead. Uh, but yeah, today, this is our Christmas special. You know, a special occasion, it's like everyone's nice and festive, two days, three days before Christmas. We're here to ruin your festive period. That's basically what I'm going to say. Um, so, yeah. Your childhood. Mm. Oh, the thing is, I'm actually glad we actually did this just because I'm not sure about you, but I haven't watched anything past the second movie. Have you? Like before um, this time? I grew up with the third and fourth one. Okay. Because I had the box set that was one to four. So the third one, I'm really nostalgic for. That was the one I watched the most. Right. Okay. So you didn't really grow up with the first two. Or you did, but you just always preferred the third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, but I haven't seen the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Of course, the sixth one is brand new. And for some reason, it isn't called Home Alone 6. But what we're going to do today, similar to the Halloween franchise review we did a few months back now, uh, we're going to talk about each and every movie. Because it's only like a hour, hour and a bit long podcast, uh, we're going to keep it fairly short. We're going to get through our notes, our thoughts, general thoughts on the movie, nothing in depth because we do have six movies to get through and also the audience interaction section for each one. Uh, and we're going to split up into categories. So we're going to talk about Home Alone 1, do the audience interaction, talk about Home Alone 2, audience interaction, and so on and so forth. And uh, we'll work like that. So, Theo, why is Home Alone 1 the pinnacle of Christmas movies? Uh, mm, pinnacle, strong word. Um, it's definitely filled with festive cheer and it has the Christmas spirit at its heart. Yeah, and that's something the latter films don't have much of, in my opinion. I'm they, sure they, they do start to dwindle past three. I, I yeah 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 I'd agree, but the thing is with Home Alone, I love the film. I love the first two. However, when I was watching, I was like, "Wow, I can't remember this," because you know Home Alone is something you watch. Well, at least I don't. I don't watch it every year. I watch it every now and again, especially when I was a kid. So the f- the fact is, I haven't watched this for some years now because what I usually do for Christmas is just, you know, binge watch the Christmas specials, maybe chuck Die Hard on, maybe chuck uh, some other Christmas movie. But the Polar oh, Express, I love the Polar Express. Christmas films on. <laughs> exactly. Well, the first two, but I digress. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't actually remember the first half. And I thought, is it a selective memory or how am I just forgetting and I just thought, you know what? The first half of the uh, Home Alone 1 isn't particularly great. Do you agree? Because I think yeah. most people just remember the second half with all the booby traps and stuff. You're going to see a repeating pattern that when I talk about most Home films, I refer to it as like the like you have the first like plot half and then you have the trap half. And yeah. pretty much all these films, I'm only really here for the trap half. Like when I was rewatching them, I just zone out of the first bit and then as soon as like the traps were being set i was like right okay now i can start watching the film again yeah 
You see, I was the opposite because the first one, I was definitely like that. But the second one, I just loved that movie all the way through and we'll get to why. But the third, fourth, fifth and sixth, I was just more, well, not the sixth. I wasn't invested in the sixth at all for reasons we'll get to again. But the third, fourth and fifth, I was more, well, not the third, actually. I was more interested in the booby traps. But fourth and fifth, I was definitely more interested in the plot because I don't think the booby traps were... The, the movie traps are the weakest in the fourth and fifth one. Yeah. And the third one, the third one has the best execution in terms, actually, wait, no, no, no. I'm thinking uh, the actual plot in three is good, in my opinion, and how the story resolves itself at the end of the booby traps is good. <laughs> but I don't like how, like, quick it ends, the third one. Like, the booby traps are a thing. And then, like, the first time... Because we'll talk about Homeland 1 briefly, but I'm sure you agree. Like, yeah. The, there's a the lot of speculation the that they're quite immortal, like the these problem, two characters. Because yeah. the problem with the third one is they had four villains, yeah. and I don't know why, because that means... Because the first two obviously had two villains. Uh, the fourth one had two. The it's fifth one had been two, yeah. But having four just meant that you had to get rid of a lot of characters really quickly, so some of the characters didn't get like a harsh treatment like the others like i remember the girl in the third one doesn't get as like as much done to her as the others in terms of traps yeah um i think i may have actually been talking about the fourth one there but to get back to uh home alone one i do think there are a couple of moments in the first half of that film that kind of do it justice like you know the scene where they're running through the airport uh listening to like elvis in the background or whatever do you know is that the first one about? That's the ooh. yeah, I believe that's the first one. They run, ooh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that might be the second one. I might be getting my wires crossed. <sighs> and that's where the problem lies. The first and the second one are basically the same beat for beat. So it's like, which one was the one where they run to the airport listening to Elvis? <laughs> well, I just found the scene, score. and it is the original school in the first one, and then the Elvis one in the second one, and. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people do draw similarities between the uh, second one and the first one because they are pretty similar in a lot of respects. I I was when we were going through the story part at the beginning, I was going like beat for beat the exact same like all right, you left him at home, kid realizes, kid's happy, wants to go, wants them back, the bad guys. So it was like even the um shady redemption character was basically just the same. But shit. Which one? Oh, oh, in the first lady. one, yeah. Well, the thing is, the first it. one, I think the first film has the best emotional core, in my opinion. Like, the second one is magical, in my opinion, but the first one has the best, like, redemption story for a character. Oh, like, yeah. That's what I, frustrates me, especially with the fifth and the sixth one. They have very minimal of that, and I think the sixth one just, like, misses the mark completely because it hasn't got one at all, like a redemption for a character. And I think when I was watching those latter ones, I was always thinking about Home Alone 1, about how they handled the story with the old man and his family and him supposedly being a murderer, because that is what makes the Home Alone movies for me, like ending the movie with like a moral compass of like Christmas and like being together with a family and the other ones just don't have that. And I think a large part of it is, I don't think Home Alone 1 was released in the 80s, I think it was like 1990, but it does feel very 80s. And I think that's a, in terms of how it was made, it looks very 80s. And I think that 
especially with John Williams' score. John Williams' original home loan score only works in the original, in my opinion. And that's because I, I reference this now because I just watched the sixth one just before we came on here and they reused the score of the original yeah. in that movie. And I just don't think it works when put over, you know, modern day graphics and like something that looks quote unquote good. Get me? It didn't deserve it. It didn't like, it didn't earn its pay, like the crescendo. Whereas in the first mm. one, the music, like when it swells, when you have the old man um, hugging his like distant son and the music swells and the emotion comes through, like John Williams' amazing score, obviously, that is like the pinnacle of that film for me. It's just the emotion and the mm. music. And then the sixth one is just like, um, uh, oh yeah, we got the we got, we got the music. Yeah, let's play that. Yeah, music. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you just referenced it there. I do think the ending is the absolute best part of this movie. Like, oh, I love yeah. the traps and stuff, but the actual ending, the hug, it was phenomenal. And then the Kevin, what did you do to my room? Yeah, and that was the only time that I actually worked because I was getting worried because again I forgot large parts of this film. And I was watching it and I was like, are they going to touch upon the fact that he's just destroyed his cabinet? And then when it actually ended on that, I was like, thank God, because I was like, that could be a massive plot hole. That was it was bugging me. And then it just resolved that, which I appreciated. Something interesting that I'm going to defend is that I think the third one handles the aftermath and the traps better than most of the other ones. And when, we get, to, when we get to just talk about Homeland 3, I will elaborate on that point. Okay. Um, so is the child's neglect argument a big factor for you disliking the franchise as a whole? Like, so I know some people say, worst movie ever, child neglect bad. Does that affect you? Um, or no, suspension no. of disbelief. I think that's a large part of this film. See, the thing is, because overall, the second one is the best one probably for me. But the first one, Thank the God, yeah. child being left alone, is really hmm. odd like i get it they're a big family and like the counting of the heads and stuff but it just felt really dumb whereas in the second one i felt it was a bit more believable that he would get on the wrong plane like that seems like that i could actually see that happening yeah whereas just leaving this kid alone and then the kid not being able to put it together i was like well this is dumb yeah we'll very briefly get to the second one in a minute uh but I just want to talk about the traps really. I think it's so iconic, like this whole segment, and I think it's never going to be forgotten. It's never going to age because I don't think... Have you seen a booby trap movie being done better than Home Alone 1? Because I think Home Alone 2, whilst it's excellent, Home Alone 1's traps is just phenomenal. I think the, the, um, the booby traps in Saw 2 are pretty good. <laughs> Oh, fair, 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 fair. But um, in the Home Loan films, I think the traps are really good in this one, but they're not their peak. I think in like, terms of the franchise uh, or just in movie in general? I think in the franchise and in just the movie in general, the traps in the first film are iconic. Like, you yeah. know, each and every single trap, you know, the like, well, you can roughly guess, you roughly remember the order that they come in just because the Wet Bandits just phenomenal like yeah um, can, can we talk about the web bandits like just amazing characters are so dumb but brilliantly written they're funny yeah. as hell. they're the only things i laugh at in these films and oh, their commitment course. to like the um the traps and the absurdity of like their reactions to it is just it's just perfect it is what makes the film actually good yeah and i think a lot of people attribute that to joe percy and oh. uh, joe pesky or whatever and i do 
agree, and I think he's I think he's good, but I do think a lot of praise deserves to go to Daniel Stern as well. Oh, I think his, his timing is yeah. Oh, thank God. But like the, the moment in Home Alone 1 that I just burst out laughing and also had like a what the fuck moment was when like uh, Kevin has supposedly jumped off the building and he says, maybe he's commit suicide. And I was just there dying. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh. then t- and then he just turns to him, Marv. And then I think, oh, See, the fact that a future movie brings Marv back supposedly really oh, pisses gosh. me off. That is don't, dreadful. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> But yeah, because Harry, they portray Harry to be like the more like a grounded burglar. Like I could actually see him like casing the joint and like going around and doing all the shenanigans. But then I just see Harv as a bumbling idiot, which is yeah. what I think works in their favor because I'm, I'm taking Harry really seriously. And when he's like threatening Kevin with like the gun and stuff, mm. and like I'll write all your things off one by one, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is kind of scary. And then Harv's just sat there like, yeah, I'll smash his face with an iron. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah the end was very you know intense because i can understand because think about the things that they went through but saying that about a kid it really presented it's like really ruthless and like weird (laughs) they didn't give a crap because they're definitely like between the wet bandits and the old guy they're definitely the best like actors and performances in that film yeah same cannot be said for kevin (laughs) i don't like you're not a fan of recording talking I don't mind Macaulay Culkin now, but mm. if you've watched like his films, because I have you seen Richie Rich? I haven't no. When you watch like a Macaulay Culkin film when he was younger, I think I think Home Alone came first, but he got like a massive ego boost from Home Alone One. Yeah, and in all his other films where he's a kid, you can see that leak over because he's now oh, like, really? oh, I've got like in the second one, I hate Kevin because the way he delivers his lines, he's like he's just not a great actor. Like, I I think how he delivers all his lines and stuff is the best child actor kid in the Home Alone franchise. I can't tell Mm. you one that I'd prefer. Is there a child actor? Which one? Uh, Alex from the third one. I'd have to flick through briefly, but uh, if you just talk and I'll quickly have a look. um, Yeah, because when we get to Home Alone 3, I'll talk more in depth about it. But Alex is a believable kid for me. Mm. Whereas Kevin and Macaulay Culkin's delivery was very much read line on script, delivered to camera. Like, oh, I do agree with that. Yeah. Like, there was, like, at no point was I like, oh, yeah, this kid's actually scared or this kid's actually like cocky. He just seemed like a, like, just a dead drone. The only mm. point I think he actually, like, a good line delivery is when he shoots Harv in the face with a gun and he goes, hello. Like, that's the only bit I actually laughed at. And I think Kevin, like, that, that, if there was more of that, I think it would have been better. Mm. But even I, I have to flip through the third one, by the way, and I do, and I do agree with you. He was a, uh, you know, we're, we're gonna get there, but I do think Home Alone Three is the only like contender that can compete against the first two. Like the others are crap, but Home Alone Three oh. and the child actor, in my opinion, is good. And if you haven't seen Home Alone Three, and you're an elitist of Home Alone One and Two, I do suggest you watch Home Alone Three. But yeah, sorry, carry on. I recommend it. But yeah, it's just he just felt a bit too delivered lines, and also the parents, like the dad is a nothing character. Let's be real, like he's there for a bit. The mother's all right, and yeah. like the siblings are like funny but not well developed. Unlike in the second one, where I think Buzz gets a massive 
upgrade. Like, geez, Buzz pulls out all the stops in the second one. You see, but, with the Homeland in one and the mother, I think, again, in retrospect of all the other films, I think the story the mother is given in this first and second one, really, as a whole arc, it's the only one that holds any weight emotionally. Like, you can actually sense that she wants to get back. And that's something the other films don't do, in my opinion. Like, we actually, the film spends time with the mother and her efforts to get back. But in the others, you don't really get that even in the third film. Yeah, that's the, that's like the, the a negative of the third one that we'll get to. But mm. the overall, like the performances in the first one, like villains and the twist guy, I think are great. Everyone else is yes. kind of meh. I, I can't blame you. And I got to mention it. There's a YouTube channel called Scream Rant and they do like pitch meetings. And I did link you one yesterday, but uh, you were out watching Spider-Man No Way Home. Did you yeah. uh, watch the Scream Rant videos I sent? No, I, I, cause I was walking home when I read them. So right. I was like, oh, I'll watch you when I get home. But I just completely, I just came, came home and collapsed because I was really tired <laughs> from walking all day. Fair and enough. You did like No Way Home. You may as well just mention that now. You liked oh. No Way Home. I love No Way Home. I would say it's probably <laughs> second best MCU film. Jesus, that I, I'm, I, I was going watch. to watch it on like the 28th, but now I've put it forward to like next Tuesday, the 21st. So when this comes out, I would have watched it. I at least I should have done. So yeah, that's cool. Actually, no, this comes out on Tuesday. Maybe we'll see. We'll see what I've done for the schedule. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, back to the the YouTube channel I was on about. I found their YouTube channel yesterday after watching Home Alone Three. And the Home Alone 3 like, parody thing they've done for it is their best one, in my opinion. It's just so comedic. Uh, but I went back and they did uh, these videos for Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Home Alone 3, and I believe Home Sweet Home Alone. I don't think they've done 4 or 5 or, six, uh, or, four or 5. Uh, but the first one, it, like, gaping problem, in my opinion, that like some of the others actually sorted out, especially the fifth one, I think, because it's like a gamer kid and like kind of gives you like an explanation as to why he can do the traps. Damn. However, with Macaulay Culkin's Kevin McAllister, of course, like this is the guy at the start of the film that I didn't even know how to pack a suitcase. But I, like later in the film, He's this guy making like insane booby traps. And yes, he's a kid, but where's the feasibility there? Can he not pack a suitcase? Mm. It is but very like... All these oh, yeah, by the way, he's just like, he is basically the Saw killer now. Have you seen that theory? That um, I have not. Voice the, the Saw films is an older Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> like he's an older oh, Kevin. Jesus. And I, I, when you watch the Saw films, I just crease thinking, is that Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I like halfway through the franchise, I was just thinking, if I were to make a Home Alone film in the future, what would I do? And I think the one thing you have to do, in my opinion, if you're going to make a reboot, is have Macaulay Culkin back. I think you cannot have a successful sequel without actually paying homage, like proper homage to the first and second one, like have a reoccurring character, not just have like Buzz and then just have his recurring thing be, or you trout sniffer or something like that. Like that's crap. And like in the sick film, he's completely wasted in my opinion. I think have more Buzz, but you know, not Buzz Lightyear, Buzz Mechanister. Buzz Lightyear. Do Affinity and beyond. But yeah, uh, that wraps up the first one because we do have to keep Pom moving and we spend a lot of time on that. So the audience interaction for the first film, we have a lot. Uh, so Clack of the Geek gave Hemlin 1 a 3.5. Grant's Movie Club gave it a 4.5. 
Andrew gave it a 5 star, Jack Burton gave it a 5 star, Jane gave it a 3.5, Star Wars Fan 007 gave it a 5 star, Ben gave it a 5 star, Bigfoot Anon gave it a 5 star, Off the Cuff Reviews gave it a 4 star, George Papart gave it a 4 star, Gabe gave it a 3 star, Dan Z gave it a 4.5 star, Matt Hall, also known as Matt Whedon, gave it a 5 star, Roman Wallace gave it a 4 star, it being soup gave it a three star. Cole Oakley gave it a four star. Joe DeCon gave it a four and a half star. Luke the Grinch fucking himself, who gave No Way Home a two star, gave it a three point five star. Wait, what? Dan, get, yeah, I know he gave. He's he got back to me, and he's very critical of films, and he always says. He said I was sufficiently wanked in terms of the film was very fan wanky and he like loved the fan service and stuff. But, you know, he's very critical of like the plot and whatever. So he could love a film, but if the plot doesn't make a sense in one small instance, he'll be like one star and whatever. So, yeah, that guy. Honestly, I, I, I went there for the wank, not gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was satisfied. Um, Fair enough. So was he in that respect, but he gave this Home Loan 1 a three and a half star. Dan gave it a four star and Helen gave it a four star. So Phil, you're ruining all their Christmases. How do you feel? Uh, I am feeding off the negative energy. <laughs> I, my, heart will, my heart will grow two times <laughs> this day. <laughs> nice. What would you, Phil, give it out of five and maybe a review if you have one? Overall, villains and the traps are what I'm there for. Kevin is Kevin. <laughs> I probably wouldn't Indeed. choose to put this film on over some of the other ones in the franchise. Wow. And I think I gave it all two out of five, 1.5. No, no. You, initially, you gave it a 2.5, but then I saw you dropped down to two star, and I thought, damn. Yeah, I dropped down to two star. Because you watched like the third one and you thought, you know what, Home Alone 1 ain't that good. Yes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, my review is simple. I, well, my conclusion, I should say. I've been through a podcast. I'm so glad I watched this again. In fact, I think this is the first time I've watched it from the very start. That will have a selective memory. Can you blame me? Probably not. Apart from a few moments, the first half is pretty disposable and the film is only remembered for the latter half. That being said, the latter half is pretty exceptional with a flaw or two, which I just can't remember. And the ending is to die for and it's wonderful. Next up, to side-pedal us into the next film, is Pierce Morgan's Pigeon Lady. I gave it a 3.5 out of 5 and I'll have to do the math here. So to be clear, you're going for a two-star here, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so that works out to a... 2.75 average for Home Alone. The Home Alone fans just watching this review now have just killed themselves. Well done, Neil. crying I'm living for it. No, but the, the thing is, I don't... Well, I guess I know why, because it's the original and the second one kind of nabs a lot of ideas from the first one. But I just think it's an all-round better film just because the first one does start to, you know, drag a bit. And I think... It's a lot of people's favorite film, Home Alone One, but I just wonder if that they're associating Home Alone One as being the franchise in terms of Home Alone One and Two, and not actually considering Home Alone Two as its own film, because I think more people would actually sit down and enjoy and prefer Home Alone Two, in my opinion. Like I, I don't know, maybe people do like Home Alone One and the first half, but I just don't see it. Somewhere. So yeah, do you want Pigeon Lady now? Uh, I'd love a bit of Pigeon Lady right now. <laughs> Oh, so would I. So, Phil, 
you just said Terminator 2, which is probably your favorite of the franchise. Explain why. So, Wet Bandits are at their peak in this one. The Traps mm. are at their peak in this one. Buzz is at his peak in this one. And it has Tim motherfucking Curry in it, who carries yeah. the goddamn film. He's a <laughs> absolute delight. When he drops to his knees and says, I love you. Oh, I, was, I had to repeat that moment so many times. It was fantastic. Even like the, oh, have a lovely day. <laughs> yes. Bing. I just like how, and how his face transitions into the Grinch. Like that oh. evil smile. Oh, it, so everything yeah. about Tim Curry in this film is just what makes it the best one. Like I just watch it for the Tim Curry parts. Stolen yeah. credit card. <laughs> I particularly like the joke towards the star of Homeland 2, uh, where I think it's the uncle says something, if you come in here, you'll never like grow up to be a man or something like that. Mm. And that I, I found that like on the nose a bit, but it was very funny because something I did notice and surprised me quite a bit is the Home Alone franchise is very horny. Oh, yeah, it's kind of weird. In some respects, it is very weird. You have Macaulay Culkin, like, taking off the notes, like, the note sticky notes from a boob. You have, like, That's sexual good. assault about in three movies, half the franchise, and I just think, but, <laughs> yeah, some things haven't aged well, let's say. Yeah, like, Kevin, I'm um, squeezing the um, New York lady's bottom to get away from Harv and Harry. Well, was maybe funny as a kid. Now looking back, I was like, Kevin just sexually assaulted this poor woman. <laughs> <laughs> this poor woman. Yeah, you're not wrong. Oh, God. But yeah, the fact that you were doing that in the 2000s as well with like the last few movies as well, it's, mm. it's quite interesting. Like you'd think they were in tune by that point, but apparently not. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a part of his time. Yeah. But the thing yeah, is, with him number two, personally with him alone too is because it's a direct sequel and like the other films like the other films try to create something like original in terms of plot more confusing than the mcu this yeah but like the first two it's just uh like the second one while it does nab a few things i think it's paying paying homage to itself but the thing is with the first uh first half of this one i think it really works because you're actually like following on from the story that it tells in the first one is given a diff like a different perspective. You're not at home anymore. You're in a city. You're doing like new things. You're in a hotel. You've got a relative. And whilst yes, we do eventually get to the relative's house and the booby traps are in the relative's house. I do think the hotel scenes are fantastic. Of course, we get what's his name, Tim Curry. Tim Curry, yeah. Tim Curry. And I think without him, this film wouldn't be as good. And you wouldn't have the pigeon lady and the turtle doves. And the children's, what do you call it? The children's toy shop fun. Oh, yeah, Duncan's toy chest. Yes, like that whole bit. Like the the, the moment where he's going out of the door and then he looks up at the painting and then he finds out that it's the original owner or like the owner he was just talking to. Mm. I was just in awe. I was like, that is so small a thing in such a large movie, but that's beautiful. And that this really hit me. Has, it's like quite, st it's more stylized than I remember it being. Like, mm. Like the like we mentioned before, like the Grinch transition into Tim Curry smiling, and like when he finds out about the credit card, like the light bulb goes above his head. Yeah, and even like with the traps, like when um, Har Harv is getting electrocuted, he turns into a skeleton. Like yes. there's, uh, there's more style to this like film than that the other films kind of lack. And like, even, uh, like yeah, goop, I don't disagree. Like even like the goop is just like it's just it's kind of a visual treat and delight to watch. Especially yeah, and I think. 
that is a big testament to Donald Trump. Let's give a round of applause to Donald Trump. No, um, but his his brother. <laughs> I think it was his plaza that they used to film this, so they gave him a cameo. And I think that again does feed into like the grandeur of the film because it's not set in like a country house, it's set in a um grand hotel. And I think how they utilize that with room service and whatnot was really well done. And I oh all yeah, the hotel stuff is great. Yeah, I can't follow like, the hotel stuff. Even the um waiter butler, like the Oh, uh, like the doorman, the, the, the other one, yeah, yes. Uh, like as an actor, he's not that great, and I've seen him no. in other things, and he's not that funny. But in this, mm. he's actually pretty good. Like everything with um, like he wants a tip all the time, and when he just dies, but mm. for like a split second, like when they all jump to the elevator, and then it's just him getting dragged by Tim Curry, like he's basically dead. Does that really got to me? Oh, uh, yeah. how he gets like the chewing gum from Buzz, and he says, "Nice family." I love that. Uh, just the little touches like that. Yeah. Um, say but yeah. Quite controversial. Oh, go for it. I hate the pigeon lady. I mm, I don't <laughs> I, think she's as good as the old man in Homeland 1. Like, I think she's the weakest, like, side redemption scary character, in my opinion. Because... You know what? I, I, I don't disagree. Don't I just don't care about her. And... Her performance is okay, but beyond just birds and I fell out of love, so I'm homeless. It's yeah. a little weird for me. And also, like yeah. he, she's just like, oh yes, Kevin, come to my house on top of a orchid. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Why are you out in the garden in the first place? Out in the park? If you've got that? Oh, you got to play by Bertie. What are you doing? <laughs> like the total dove things were sweet, and like when he gave it to her at the end, I was like, oh, that's quite sweet. Then again, I was yeah. like, he's literally just gone to this random, like, at least the other guy was a neighbor. This is literally just a random ass New Yorker. He's just like, you're my best friend. <laughs> I think it redeemed it a bit with the turtle dove thing, because before that, she was only given like one or two words of dialogue in terms of every time she spoke, 95% of the time, it was literally just no, yes, or thank you. And again, that feeds into the, she hasn't spoken to a lot of people, so she doesn't really know how to speak. But I do think... Whilst weaker than the first one and arguably weaker than the second one, the turtle dust stuff does make up for it. Even though we literally see the turtle, it's a bit of continuity error of suspension of disbelief and whatnot. But you see the turtle doves on the top of the tree, right? And he's looking at the turtle doves and then he just turns and runs. And supposedly he's now got the turtle doves that were on the top of the tree whilst everyone was doing their unwrapping and stuff. How did that happen? Or did he have four turtle doves? Uh, it's it's a bit it's a bit confusing. Uh, I I can I can't be I can't be asked to figure it out. To be fair, it's a home alone film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I indeed it is. Uh, and but yeah, Kevin in this film, oh, even worse than the first one. At this point, this is when he started becoming pretentious. So like everything with the hotel is like spacious and luxurious. You can tell in his delivery, he's like, I'm hot shit. I think yeah. that's the point, though, because he is in a massive hotel. He's like manipulating these guards, and yeah, like, uh, it's like Macaulay Culkin's performance is just really off and weird. Like, oh, what's mm. the line I just thought of? That's like, um, like obviously the roomy and spacious. And when he realizes that he's alone in New York, where he's like, my family's in Florida, and I'm in New York, and he raises his eyebrows and stuff. My family's in Florida, 
and I'm in New York. Dun dun. I was like, what? what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, it kind of made sense like that. I made my whole family disappear. But this one, he's just like sat at an airport on his own. No staff have thought to come up to this kid who's obviously not where he should be. Mm. And he's going, I'm in New York. My family's in Florida. And they're like, yeah, it's just a kid, isn't it? <laughs> right, the traps in the second one. I agree. The electrocuting thing was, it's just iconic in it. And it's fantastic. And they bring that back again in future films, which you know homage but no and the one bit i really like even though it does defy you know physics and whatnot is when marv like is it marv goes down on the toilet and his head explodes i think that's harry uh, harry damn it harry like lowers himself into the toilet bowl and you just cut to the exterior shot and you just see boom i love oh that. yeah and the bit, the bit that gets me is when like um marv eventually gets into the house and he says, Harry, I'm at the top. Oh. And then he falls to the bottom. Yeah, that's, that, that was one laugh. I was just, Harry, I'm at the top. <laughs> Again, there's so many moments uh, like of comedy. And I think this is definitely the funniest Home Alone film. It's the oh, funniest. Yeah. It's the best in terms of, uh, what do you call it? Like the action, the booby traps or whatever. And it's got the most heart. So I think it's all around just a better... The best scene is the bricks. That makes me crease. No matter how many times I watch it, I always laugh at, like, just him constantly throwing the bricks, Harry always dodging, and just hitting half in the head. And he gets progressively dumber. And it's just like, if you throw one more brick, kid, yeet! (laughs) And ironically, it's Harry that is, like, the dumb one, kind of, because he's, like... What? what are you saying? And then he's just like preparing to throw another brick and like there's all that time. And it's like really slapstick, like you know what they're, they're going with. It's like pantomime, really. Oh, but yeah. Those two actors excel at that. So I think the hog's delivery of like the. Bonk. <laughs> 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 Literally. So, so I know your score for this film. So why is it so not high, let's say? So. I, I really like the traps, the web, the sticky bandits are really good in this. Ah, yeah, the sticky bandits. And they I have, and there's, there's a good hardcore, and Buzz, Buzz is actually quite funny in this one. But mm. Kevin's performance is worse than the first one. The, I still don't like the bird lady. The family still peeves me off a bit. Mm. And if Tim Curry was in the film, I don't think I would enjoy it as much just because seeing him, and he's just such a delight to watch. I agree. But I don't think because with Home Alone, I, I would never put on a Home Alone film by choice unless I was in like an ironic Christmas mood. <laughs> and then again, I put on three. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> but two is like is is like a solid film. I'd say it's, yeah. a, it's a good average film with like great moments, but some really bad moments. Like it, it's very sluggish at points. I can understand. Well, uh, yeah, 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 fair. But I do agree about Tim Curry. I think. It would descend if he wasn't in this from like a great film to like a good solidy film. Like you'd say it would go from like solid to bad, but I just think great to solid, you know? So yeah, we're at kind of opposite end of the spectrum, but this one again has a nice heart with, and I do cry every single time again with like the shoveling man in Homeland one. And at the end of this where I know it's like I mentioned earlier, the whole trying to neglect thing that they keep like the critics of this franchise keep mentioning how it's like, oh, you shouldn't feel bad for the mother and whatever. She left her kid or whatever. But for whatever reason, every single time that mother returns, I always tear up and I always attribute that to the weight 
of the story that they give her, unlike the other films, in my opinion. And I always tear up at the end of the first two films. Do you? Um, I said the first one, like it gets me going. Yeah. And the second one, um, the, the, the stuff with the mother, I'm not really bothered about just because I'm like not really Christmas bothered about the family. Christmas. Yeah, like the Christmas tree, like that was a nice like little callback to the beginning of the film. But when they mm. met like Kevin's performance again, it just doesn't lend any emotion. Mm. He's just like mom, and then they hug. But in the like in the first one, I tear up at the old man. Yeah, because like the hug is so emotional, and then the second one, Brody just waves or something, and you hear Kevin's dad going, "You spent nine hundred dollars on room service," <laughs> even though he's in like the middle of Central Park, and then he's in like a hotel, and somehow he hears him. His fury just transcends space. <laughs> Again, it, a lot of this franchise, and I think the final four, like everything after Home Alone 2, like really makes an effort to do something unique and try not to fall into the trap of Home Alone 2 in terms of repeating itself. Which I can respect. And I do respect that. It kind of gives like a more feasible explanation it to doesn't why work. Kevin oh, left, or not the, Kevin, but the kids. And it doesn't always work, but you have to respect that it did that. Mm. But the audience interacts before Home Alone 2. Theo, are you ready? Yes. Very nice. Um, Andrew gave it a five star. Jack Burton gave it a four and a half star. Jane gave it a three and a half star. Star Wars fan 007 gave it a four and a half star. Bigfoot Anon gave it a four and a half star. Off the Cuff Reviews gave it a three and a half star. George Papa gave it a three and a half star. Gabe gave it a four star. Ben gave it a four star. Matt Hall, also known as Matt Whedon. I don't know why I keep saying that every single review, but uh, he gave it a four star. Matt, no, I just said Matt Hall. Roman Wallace gave it a four star. Joe Decon gave it a three star. Cole Oakley gave it a three star. Luke gave it a two and a half star. Dan gave it a three star. And Helen S gave it a four star. So, Phil, what would you give Hemlin to? And what's your conclusion? Uh, conclusion, well, I basically just said my conclusion. Yeah. Love the Sticky Bandits, Don't Like Bird Lady, Tim Curry can be in any film and make it, give it a star automatically. Mm -hmm. I give Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, a two and a half out of five. Fair enough. Uh, I literally just quoted two quotes I already mentioned. So it was Kevin faints. I thought that was an iconic moment where she's in the airport. Uh, that's a fantastic moment. And I'm at the top and then falls to the bottom. Again, iconic. Good Love stuff. it. Uh, and I also said this is the best home in film and I give it a four and a half star rating. So I'm definitely pulling these averages up. Very, yeah, I mean, very minimally. Yeah, so the average for Home in 2 is a much more respectable and I'm sure we'll both like agree with the score a 3.5. I think we can both agree with a free point yeah, for Hamlin too. I, I can agree with that as a combined score. Nice. Uh, so, this one's your baby, Home Alone 3. Explain like the nostalgia for you with this film. All right. So, growing up, I had a box set of Home Alone 1 to 4, mm. which could be, verse, could be viewed as a curse because the fourth one, God will get to. But as a kid, I was way more into like the spy and the espionage kind of aspect of the third one. And like, Looking back on it, I now do realise that they are terrorists and not spies, <laughs> which was yeah. a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, but I remember the, like the third one, just watching that one on repeat, and like the songs because I don't th think John Williams scores it, but the songs he doesn't in know. That song, it's just the first two he does. He does. But I'm there's some of the songs in there when they play, like they, I think I mentioned it. Um, they play uh, "This Is My Town" or something. 
um, in the mm. trap montage. And when that song came on, when I was rewatching it, I just got like a wave of, damn, like this is childhood for me. Because I don't even yeah. think I really watched it at Christmas. I think because I used to watch like a film before I went to bed every night as a kid. Right. And I think this would just be one I'd be like, oh, put on Home Alone 3. You see, that's the so, mentality I want back. Before you go to bed every night, just chuck a movie on. I, I, I have tried to start doing that. You know, watch a film on the evenings. Why don't you do any more? Just too busy. Well, we do have uni assignments and whatnot. So that takes up a lot of part of our time. Now that I'm older and I watch a film, I'll like analyze it and critique it more. So then if I go to bed right after watching a film, I'll be just led in bed thinking about the film. Whereas when I was a yeah. kid, I'd be like, let's whack on aliens in the attic or escape from yeah. planet Earth and just... Film school has literally destroyed our brains when we watch movies. Even Zorro. I used to watch Zorro as a kid, but I used to fall asleep during it. And now I love Zorro. <laughs> but no. as a kid, I was like, ah, fuck this. I'm going to bed. Yeah. So Home Alone 3, uh, for me, I was really surprised by it because I found myself for the first 50 minutes, and I think I did allude to it earlier, I was more of a fan of the, the actual story as opposed to the final booby trap uh, montage and whatever. And we'll get to why later. But um, I think it took a really unique approach. And I'll, again, I'll, we'll talk about why I don't think it totally works in terms of like the first five or so minutes. But for the first 50, I thought, this is good. And it's only dislike because McCauley Culkin isn't in it. And I just thought, oh. oh, there's some bias here. And I was taken by surprise. And I, whilst I do like the car, you know, sequence where it's like going all over the place, it goes on for so long and that's where it kind of descends. Like I liked that bit, but I just thought this is really called padding right now. You're mm. taking like a quarter of an hour out of a film, just watching the car go around. And whilst yes, there's some funny little moments in there, it is 15 minutes of a hour and a 40 film, you know? And that's where it did kind of descend for me. Yeah, I, I can, I can back that. Like the, some of the stuff was a bit sluggish and the traps in this film are not the best, but they're not the worst. Hmm. But yeah. like the tracks are kind of meh. I do have a point about the third one, but I will reference the, oh, what do you call it, Scream Ramp Pitch Meeting franchise again. And if you haven't seen those like playlists of videos, please do go and watch them. I'll link them in the description below. However, and the third one, which is the best one they've done in terms of like the home loan ones, because that's all I've seen. And I watched Jungle Cruise and After Earth once as well because I just love... But whatever, the third one is like a pitch meeting and he goes in to like pitch this film to the boss. And it's like, no, we're going to do a home room film. Oh, is it going to have McCordy Culkin in it? No, but we're going to have a really adorable kid. And where is it going to be set? Well, it's going to be set in Hong Kong with terrorists. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I just start laughing because that is actually what it was like. Yeah. It's like going through the whole franchise. It's just like, home loan, kids left at home, bandits try to break into the house. Home loan two, kid goes on wrong plane, bandits try to break into the house. Home loan three, fucking terrorists <laughs> are invading the small suburbs. Home loan four, two people want to steal a prince. Oh, do you know But the thing is, I this is what kind of feeds into my criticism of the franchise after Home Loan 2, the heart of it. And whilst Home Loan 3 does have a lot of heart and again you should watch it i just don't think i think it jars a bit compared to home alone 2 especially the start where it's like black cars like operating and whatever if they introduce that later and had the heart of the film be at the start i think it would have worked much better like have the core of home alone first and then after about 10 minutes then introduce the threat and the gang and whatever it just 
jars a bit for me like the first five minutes so if you do watch it as a recommendation of this episode and you're not keen in the first five minutes and you think what the hell am i watching just stick with it and i'd say you have a decent time with it would you agree i can back that Mm. so what are some of the positives of this film for you then so i might get a fact this but out of all the home loan films this is my favorite kid Mm. i really like alex because he's just uh, he like the actor i think he's younger than kevin's meant to be i think he would have been yeah and he just seemed he comes across so sincere and like i could actually see that being a child whereas if i saw kevin in real life i'd be like what the fuck is this kid on but if i saw alex i'd be like oh it's like this is like i can imagine being like a little brother to somebody or like a mate of mine and like his performance is just sweet and likable Mm. and i this is something i kind of appreciate now but they set him up way better than kevin because you mentioned it before, like, Kevin couldn't pack a suitcase, but he can rig a whole house with, like, explosives. I'm so glad you're bringing this up, yeah. But in Alex's case, the first, like, like the first scene you see of him when he's in his home is he's rigged this little, like, alarm clock setup to feed the fish. Yeah. And just that little touch makes it more, like, obvious, and that he's into spy and espionage, and that he's a bit of, like, not peeping Tom, but he likes to look through his telescope, and he's a bit, like, he's a bit, he's wired differently, as David put it. Yeah, ironically, I would say he's down to earth, but for opposite reasons, because like he calls the police often. Yeah, I guess the first two times he's like, he's like, like, I'm gonna phone the fucking police. And when he sees him again, he's like, I'm still gonna phone the police. Hmm. And then again, like the motivations are there to actually take it into his own hands after not being believed by the police twice it makes sense yeah i'm just on the police he was like now i'm gonna torture these guys (laughs) and again the pitch meeting video kind of alludes to how the second time he calls the police and like the second time they robbed the house is a bit pointless in retrospect and it is a bit more padding like you don't need the second one and it's literally the same because i was watching the second like call out and i was like oh they're gonna catch him this time and then they didn't and i just thought Oh, damn, we're doing this again. It was a bit of a missed opportunity, but I think you, I guess you needed that to actually give him more motivation to take it into his own hands other than being really quick. did pan out the runtime, but I think without it, it would have been a bit weird. And like, you have, and even like the police, the dialogue with the police, I think is pretty solid. Like when they go, oh, we don't want to discourage him from calling the police, but we want to make sure, like, I can see those being actual policemen. Mm. Like they obviously respond to a call and they're like, yeah kids said there's a burglar we're gonna go to this house i don't know the logistics of just kicking down the front door that's <laughs> a bit odd to me but yeah. like i can imagine those actually being cops whereas the cops and all the other ones are like in home loan 2 where he goes wow it's like the fourth of july out here i was like the, the, the police would never like be like oh yes bombs are going off it's like the i mean of july. in home alone 2 i just respect the police officers because they do like drifts into parking lodges and whatever like they oh yeah they just do totally corners. drift everywhere yeah. Yeah, I, I love that about the first and the second film. But um, yeah, I think you're right about the kids. I think he's a really strong performance from whoever his name is. Uh, oh, I couldn't say that, his name. I just yeah. know he's called Alex in the film. Yeah. And I did write out my review on Letterboxd. And one of my mates, Mario Bowser, who's also known as Jamie, been on a few other channels and uh, of mine and whatever. He said a problem I have with the film is that we went from two idiot burglars to four international terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> this, ma- uh, this made the film really complex and kind of weird for a home loan film, film should I say. Mm. Um, that I thought they were just spies when I was a kid and then I rewatched and I was like, oh, yeah, these are terrorists. Uh, this is like, literally what I get a bit of a, like, mm. 
But the point is, though, he says it's a lot less believable that these terrorists would be outsmarted by a kid. However, I would say, and this is how I responded to him, in fairness, they were outsmarted because they were like the typical Hollywood half-wits sent out to carry out a task for a baddie boss. Like, we get, like, one or two cutaways throughout the film to this bad, evil boss. And, like, you always get the half-wits sent out to do their dirty work. So it's not, you know, far from what you can expect. And I, but yeah, and I think terrorists they in the film is naff. But yeah, and, and I do no think the defeat is good. There are no web bandits, no. And again, it's another thing that the latter films don't have. The threat, like especially with the sixth one, I I, I can't wait to get to that one because I just want to rip it to shreds. But uh, the web bandits for me are, are always a staple of Home Alone, and even with the third one, which I do kind of like in like the general scheme of things. It's just missing the wet bandits, but I wouldn't want them back. I wouldn't want them to uh, be in Home Alone 3 just because I do think he's a bit weaker and it doesn't really fit in the continuity of what they were going yeah. for. They're, they're Kevin's like people. Like I, I wouldn't want to see them rob another kid. I rather, I, I, if I'm going to see the wet bandits, I want to see them with Kevin. Mm. Like, um, <laughs> what film do they call the kid Kevin again? Is that Home Alone 4? Uh, so... Timeline-wise, one, two, and four are the same people. Oh god! Three is standalone, five is standalone, and six is standalone. But the because th- that's the weird. The I fourth one's my least favorite, and we'll get to that. But the fourth mm. one is meant to be a continuation of Home Alone Two, and I hate that. Oh, it but, is. Like, yeah, I respect Home Alone Three just because it was like, right, we've done this to death. Kevin, the actor, like Macaulay Culkin's getting older now. We'll outsource mm. a new kid. We'll shake up the story a bit. And the fourth one's like, oh, no, that didn't work. Fuck it. Um, new kid. <laughs> he's Kevin. Believe me, he's Kevin. Yeah, yeah but um, this film, because uh, we talked about the plot a bit, the traps, I didn't like the traps in this film just because it showed you them in action before the climax of it actually working. And I think the first and the second one, and all the other sequels, not the sequels, but, you know, the ones that follow on from Home Room 3, they all correct what this film did wrong, and it just showed you every single one, whereas the other films showed about half as they're in progress, but half, they do really have them as a surprise. And I do think that's a problem with this film. It just kind of, again, shows you what's going to happen before it actually happens, and I think it gets it gets rid of, like, the... The joy of seeing it for the first time and like laughing because whilst this film does have a lot of laughs and ironically I do think it's the funniest of the post Home Loan Two movies. I just yeah. don't think the trap sequence is half as good. Or I don't think it's the worst good. one, but I, I do agree. It's it's definitely lackluster compared to one and two. Mm. So, any other thoughts on this before we do move into the conclusions and the audience interaction, which I have forgot? So I will do the audience interaction, then I'll edit in after the like two films we've done before. But um, is Big there anything brain. else? Big brain. Um, the family. The family is a little weaker in this one. Like the mother. Yeah. I, actually, I like the mother. The mother I can see as being like an actual mum. Like she has to do between her work and looking after a, a poor kid, a poorly kid. Oh, the setup. The setup makes so much more sense. He's just got chicken pox and he's home alone. That makes way more sense than I got on the wrong plane. I respect that, yeah. Like, like it's just like, yeah, I, I've been left at home alone if I was ill. My mum had to pop to work. That, that's a completely, like, easy situation to put myself into where, as a kid. And yeah. the mother, like, you can see in the mother, like, she obviously, they play out, they 
show her a little bit more than the other people, like Scarlett Johansson and their buzz. Oh, yeah, Scarlett's in this. It's not as good. And the father is all right. Like, he's okay. At the end, he's pretty funny. Um, but the mother and Alex's relationship, I really like. Yeah. Also, is Scarlett Johansson in this one or in Homeroom 4? It's Homeroom 3, isn't it? Yeah, it's his sister in this one. That felt very weird watching like a uh, established actress like as a kid. Like you don't often see that like a massive star. It was odd. Yeah, it, she was very underused. But again, I think I'm only saying that because of who she turned out to be, not because it's the film's fault. Because you know, in even in the other films, there's not a massive attention on the siblings, and I yeah. think she probably just get around the same amount as like all the other ones do but yeah it's it's a shame to see her so underutilized because we know she's a fantastic well not fantastic but a good actress so yeah it, yeah yeah it was nice it's nice to see her in this anyway um but yeah home alone three. One more thing to say. Watch it. yeah what is sorry it? i'll simp for home alone three any day but mm. they show the aftermath of the house after all the traps and such a little mm. detail to me really went a long way because in Home Alone 1 and 2 it's the classic like Kevin what did you do to my room and Kevin you spent $900 on uh, room service then the third one the dad comes home and you can see like the repairer is like fixing the door like like yeah. you like when he knocks on the door to open it they just take it off the hinges and that was quite funny to me just <laughs> knock it off. oh there's the door gone now and mm. like the aftermath I was like oh it's nice but the ending is not as like tear-jerking or as warm-hearted as the other ones with like the the bird lady and the supposed no. murder but it was just like a nice little oh so they are gonna show that they do fix the house up yeah and the very very end isn't like tear-jerking it's actually ending on like a i mean it is a comedy film but it's got a heart like the franchise but you again you have like the police photographs and that does end on like a funny note and it does Oh yeah, miss. that was that was like that was a good like ending to the villains, which yeah. is them taking box. Well one thing I do want to mention and get your opinion on the magic parrot. I oh, love the parrot. parrot. Without the parrot, bad. I love the parrot and like how it feeds into like the bad like the lead bad guy's demise at the end. And then he just escapes. <laughs> he just escapes the igloo on his toy car that he's moving by himself. Oh, that's hilarious. The parrot is great and is so quotable. Like, I, I, I was yeah. like, what's on your mind, Bucky Buck? <laughs> and it's like singing through the intercom system on the phone. It's not your day. <laughs> that was the best moment. That was the best moment. I love that. Bads, bads, Leroy Brub. <laughs> Yeah, a bit, a bit iffy that he was like, "Oh, woman, shower." I'm gonna. That was, that was, I was a little bit like, "Ew." Yeah. But then he went. Was a day. Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Home Alone Three, I liked it. Is it good? No. Does it have problems? Yes. Do I like the first forty minutes a lot? Yes. Do I find the last hour or fifty minutes quite bad? I do. Um, but feel. Would you like to jump into your conclusion and your score before we move on to the audience interaction? Um, I love... Uh, Alex is my favourite kid out of the Home Known franchise. This is the most nostalgic for me, but I can see the flaws and the traps and, like, the pacing. The villains are no sticky or wet bandits. But overall, this is... I'd probably watch this Home Known film over all, any others any day just because of the ties back to my childhood. So mm. I give it a 2 out of 5. 
a two out of five for this average isn't going to be difficult to work out because mm. I also gave it a two star. I said, in fair, I'll be repeating myself for the conclusion of every single film. I won't mention the first paragraph, but I will say I really like the story, but it misses John Williams' score massively and the villains to echo you aren't no wet bandits. I miss Marvin Harry. It got some laughs from me and the inclusion of the parrot was neat. However, it doesn't have the Christmas redemption story for a character like the other two films have, like the ones that preceded this one, except maybe from the elderly woman, but she's not really given a story. Just the, mm. aren't you nice? Took me a while to realize at the end, which was pitiful in my opinion. When um, I was a girl, father too was in the White House. Like, I, I, were you invested in the woman at all? Um, I thought it was sweet when Alex was like, uh, can we for please, her. like can we please let her yeah. go she's very old and very cold i was like oh that's like that's a kid speaking but the character yeah. i was like yeah she's she's better than the bird lady but i just have personal mm. grievance against the bird lady yeah <laughs> yeah i can tell the personal vendetta you have against her um <laughs> but <laughs> uh plus the ending as we both said doesn't have the heart the previous two films in the franchise have either and of course, I gave it to start out to five. Right now, on to Home Alone three audience interaction. Oh, this is your baby, so uh, don't My get baby. too, you know, emotionally charged by this because it may not be what you want to hear. I have my ears covered. Okay. Well, a few pe- less people have watched this one, but this is how it goes. Andrew gave it three star. Jane gave it half a star. Star Wars and Double Seven gave it a two star. Bigfoot and On gave it two and a half star. Off the cover reviews gave it two and a half star. George Papa gave it a one star. Matt Hall gave it a two star. Roman Wallace gave it a one and a half star. Carl Oakley gave it a one star. And Dan gave it a one and a half star. That was not too bad. <laughs> really? That was a lot of one and a half three in there. there my yeah. man was giving it a three. I, who did that? I, I shout him out. <laughs> Andrew. And then Andrew, like a very foreign alternative name and description so yeah he's not english so he probably doesn't understand you therefore he's probably not watching this so ha 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 my guy <laughs> my guy you never hear this but my guy let's go on to home alone 4 pinnacle <laughs> of home alone ironically though it's not actually my least favorite in terms actually no let me correct that this, this is my least favorite let's get yeah, this out it's here. <laughs> my least favorite in actually no I don't know how to describe this. I think it's the worst, but I don't think it's the worst. I think it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. In, in terms of, I think it's the worst made, but I don't think it has a massively atrocious story. I think it's a very bad story, but I think Home Alone 5 is the worst thing ever. See, One I of the worst things ever. Because I'm not going to defend it. Don't get me wrong. I hate Home Alone 5 and 6. Mm. But I don't think they're worse than this one. Like, I think there are actual, yeah. like, likable qualities in the other two. In this one, I was just miserable throughout. Oh, I so was I. I whacked yeah. this on and I started just cooking my dinner because I just didn't want to watch it again. <laughs> even oh, so you've kid. seen this before. Oh, of course. Oh, even seen as a before, kid, yeah. I, like, the only thing I liked was the spy gadget he got. Because I like, oh, I have one of those toys. Oh, that's neat. But other than that, yeah. I, even as a kid, I was like, nah, this, this ain't it. First of all, you mentioned earlier, it's in the same continuity, if you want to listen to that. But now um, there's like, 
yeah, yeah. It's the same because Kevin, but the parents are split up, and he's got two siblings. I don't know if he only had two siblings in the first one and the second one, but he only has two now. They're yeah, in a he had about house. five, I think. There are a lot poorer. There are a lot of cousins, but I think that only made up for about half. And I think he had about four or five co- uh, brothers and sisters. I could be they, wrong. They just died in the war. Um, yeah. They de-aged him. Kevin is now played by an even worse actor. Like, Jesus Christ, this kid pisses me off. Like, yeah. it's just, deliver the line. Say the line. Say the line. I'm just <laughs> like, fucking no, please. Yeah. God, just stop it. So, first of all, I think French Stewart, who plays Marv, is dreadful. Oh, God, yes. He is absolutely pitiful. And I think it does an absolute disservice to the original two movies. And I don't consider it canon in terms of, I don't think of it in the same continuity. Probably one of those fans. It's not part of the canon. No, in terms of, I hadn't, I hadn't watched three to six before this. Right. And I was very content in my life knowing Home Alone 1 and 2. And that's it. The fact that I now know in 2002, they did this abomination to the first two. I don't want to soil one and two in any way by thinking that they brought one, well, not they, because it's a different like, production uh, creative team and whatever behind it. But they, in terms of Rod Daniel, who I feel bad for him because he is dead and his films aren't the best. So, you know, I don't want to kick him while he's down, quite literally. Oh, that was a bit deep. But um, Jesus, it, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, this film was dreadfully directed. I think the framing was awful there was not enough headspace in some shots in some shots you wanted less headroom in some shots it was literally uh just their chest and when it could have been the head you could have just like taken the camera away from the person zoomed out a bit more i think it was a massive massive misstep in terms of continuity and also how it was directed and shot and it was pretty it was i this is the thing it's the worst made home known film, categorically, and I think it's the closest you will get to an objectively bad film. I know art is subjective and whatever, but this is the closest you will come to an objectively bad film. Yeah. But I think it does have a bit of heart. Oh, here we go. It has a bit of a heart, and I do think the booby traps were done better in this film than the previous and that's the only redeeming qualities mm. i can think of because the child actresses uh the child actor should i say is dreadful the actors in general are awful and i've seen a lot of people defend this movie not defend it but say oh it's awful but the plot twist was nice and i disagree in terms of and i would i will come to you in a minute but and i will let you talk but i just want to say the plot twist isn't good just because it's a plot twist. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you can have a plot twist, but if it's not worked up to... Two like, Home Alone 6 mm. has a nice plot twist, in my opinion, because mm. it's like you really don't expect it. But in Home Alone 4, it's literally bad guy, good. Good woman, bad. And that's it. And I think that's awful. And I don't think the plot twist is a positive in the slightest. The plot Two twist, plot twists. What's the other one? The mother. The mother? If you do that again, then I'm going to have to ruin you. Whatever. Like, the mother turns into a bad guy. Oh, the... Oh, wait, what? Oh, the mother... Oh, the rich lady. Yeah, the rich lady. Oh, yeah, not the mother. The rich lady. Because, like, she's nice to um, Kevin. And then as soon as he ruins um, her party, he's like, I'll never... You'll never sleep in this house again <laughs> if you do if you do any of that shenanigans. 
Yeah. So there's and two. Thing is, the rich lady. I just think it was tone deaf in many ways because of the continuity and also because of that lady. Like, yes, she's rich and she does have that bit of dialogue, but it's kind of justified if you think about it because he's ruined her home twice. However, yeah. and it's about the time that she does kind of have a heart to heart with him, not a heart type, like she cold heart, let's say. But yeah. to make her like the all in all villain in the final 10 minutes at Christmas and every single person like turns her back or turns their back on her on Christmas Day is a bit naff in my opinion and it's a, quite evil yeah I it wasn't really christmasy was it it was just like yeah no. fuck the rich which i normally would back but in this instance i was like what the fuck the rich <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it's just a bit i like i can see what they're doing but the father was so devoted to her like even when he left her to get back in the cab like he makes a little dig towards her but until like the very end where he's saying oh i don't think this is going to work out you don't really get the impression that he's not like upset with her like he's always like all infatuated let's say and like the only moment i really get that impression that he's not is when the mother and him kind of reminisce about that moment in front of her and then she kind of cuts it out like they're talking about how there's this funny moment in their past and i get the impression that like their story isn't over but other than that it doesn't like come to a satisfying conclusion in my opinion and it feels not christmasy at all yeah but Home Alone 4, what, what don't you like about it? Everything. Literally everything. If I could give this a zero out of zero, I would give it a zero out of zero. Yeah. But Letterboxd doesn't work like that. So we, so we move. Um, yes, we do indeed. So the Kev, the new Kevin actor, I didn't like, I'm not a big fan of Macaulay Culkin, but even I can say that Macaulay Culkin is like the fucking Joaquin Phoenix of Home Alone compared <laughs> to this kid. Like, geez Louise, he just... He, all of his lines suck. He just—he's just really bad. Yeah. Like all the actors. Yeah. Harv. They butcher Harv. Harv has a wife. Harv has a mother. <laughs> what the fuck was Prescott doing? Why was he like? Oh, to be fair, Prescott is the only thing I would give half a star for. I was just about to say. I think like, Prescott, Eric Avari. I'm, I think I'm butchering his name, but he's not great. But he's not awful, and that's the and, biggest compliment I could give to this film. I completely disagree with you about the traps. I think in this film, the traps are the worst because as I remember, there was a swinging pan. uh, They flooded a bathroom. Oh, the first bit where they flood the bathroom and like the the shower somehow floods the whole house within about a minute. Like that was a load of crap. And it was like the Titanic, but in a house because of a shower. That wasn't a trap. That was just them being fucking idiots. Yeah. (laughs) I honestly like think of the other three films like they're building shit like they're literally changing the house and mm-hmm. this one's like i'll put a pan and I'll, I'll tie the elevator so they can't use the elevator oh not like their stairs that she could have mm-hmm. fucking used no the elevator because you know it's the elevator <laughs> the and also is, they just yeah, take a nose at the end and like they die what the, this just makes no fucking sense mate it's so bad well, you see, that's where I do disagree with you because I thought that was quite... Uh, I mentioned it earlier how Home Alone 1 and 2 have a tendency of like giving these characters a really, you know... And Home Alone 3 because you literally see a guy get mowed to death, supposedly, and then he's just come out with like a bad hair. Like, that's not what happens when you get mowed by a lawnmower. But what I'm trying to get at is the first three films show him as a mortal 
Rhodey, let's be honest, like we respect that it's going with like a different plot, like Homeland 3. And we respect that they're trying different things and trying to stay original, which this film doesn't in terms of like the character and continuity, which I bloody despise. But Mm. the ending presents these characters as defeatable like truly defeatable the police don't have to come i think they do yeah they of course they do but he actually does defeat them by like them falling from a height even though they don't die they get up and run away and then his two siblings trip them at the end and that's what gets them done is that they just trip them at the end i was like it would make so much more sense if they fell and died i would have respected that (laughs) i'd be like damn home alone just fucking killed somebody but no, they yeah. ran. They got up, ran out the door, tripped, and then they called it a day. They're like, "Oh, these these kids are oh, too much for us." Yeah, too much. There too was recovery time, I suppose. But oh, God, yeah, fair enough. But um, I did shamelessly laugh two times. I can't remember the second laugh, but the first laugh was ironically where Marv goes cookies, and oh, I am ashamed that I laughed. Yeah, like that, that was. Yeah, they're all like hugging, and he's like, "Oh no!" And then he looks in front of him, and he says cookies that was a nice moment yeah I, I actually i'll give you that, that now you mentioned that's like the only moment i can remember like cracking a smile at i was like okay that's kind of that's uh, yeah. well done you, you got that was the bit of decent acting as well from him yeah because just the other two ladies are, like really fed up with him he's just cookie <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so that is the abomination that's home alone for i will stick with my original score even though you just destroyed my point about giving it a one star as opposed to half a star. But we move, we move. We move uh, so we move. any final thoughts on Homeland 4 and a conclusion and a score before we move on to my score and also the audience interaction? I think my review on Letterbox sums us up the best. Homeland 4, hold the fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it needs booting out this film. I give it a half a star out of five and that's being generous. <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> Letterbox won't let me just give no stars. So you literally would give it a zero star if you could. I'd give it like a 0.1 if I could. Because like one smile and Prescott is like, maybe, like maybe but uh, no, nah, I wouldn't say yeah. this. For me, Prescott choice. is very one note. He's, he's a bad character, Prescott. However, he's not atrociously like acted. Actor. Yeah. He's like the actor guy. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, so that is 0.5 for you, of course. Again, it's not hard to work out the average for this one. But again, um, I said Christ above. The acting is dreadful. The framing is dreadful. The directing is dreadful. The story is dreadful. The fact that they reuse names, including Kevin McAllister as the lead kid from the original duo of films, is dreadfully toned deaf. Gets half a star for me because I laughed a few times. And the booby traps, while she lived, I think this must have been the shortest time given to any of the booby traps just because they want to go for the realistic end in terms of are oh, we defeat them after the one thing that would defeat them fair enough but i would like to see more uh, i think they were done better than in home alone 3 and this one doesn't treat the antagonists as immortal unlike the other three uh, and i gave the film a one star which comes to an average of 0.75 uh about 0.749 higher than what you would give it then yeah fair enough a lot less people have watched this jesus good i wish yes. i could be them i wish i could be them <laughs> like Sweet i think bliss. uh coming on your uh, letterbox review i'm gonna try and find it 
if anyone knows the meme of like that nonce who says, no, thanks for this, ruined my holiday. You know the video I'm on about, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I commented on Theo's Lairbox review of Home Alone 5, the one we're about to get onto, and I said, Will, welcome to the podcast. Let's do a Home Alone franchise review for Christmas. Theo, no, thanks for this. Ruined my holiday. Like four <laughs> episodes in, and you've been put through a crap franchise that one wow. third of is quite good, and then the other two thirds are just bad to atrocious i was so happy when i was like oh yeah we're doing home sweet home alone okay i, quite, I was actually gonna watch this in my free time just to see and then you're like okay how about we do the franchise <laughs> you see and... it's only because i couldn't be asked to redo the thumbnail like the thumbnail i did originally <laughs> was the whole franchise because i thought oh, okay we'll do the franchise and then i changed it just to the latest one when i thought our oh, six isn't very feasible Might as well and then i thought i can't be asked to do the thumbnail again so i said Feel, I'm sorry, but we're doing them all. Uh, yeah, and then I turned around and I was like, yeah, I've seen the first four, so I've already got to watch two new ones. And you were like, wait, the fuck? Yeah. And then you and you just decided to watch them all again, I suppose. Pain. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen five and six before, to be fair, so at least no. you're a completionist now, technically. Yes. That's me. <laughs> yeah, but Home Alone 4. Scores for this one, Andrew gave it a one star, Matt Hall gave it a one and a half star, Roman Wallace gave it a one and a half star, Carl Oakley gave it a half a star, and Dan gave it a one star. Carl, you're the winner. Matt and Rowan, what the hell are you guys thinking? It's not a one and a half star. It's not bad. It's bloody dreadful. Mm. It is objectively bad, this film. Not many people at all give it above a one well one star yeah everyone's just giving it like half a star one star it I've deserves it it's dreadful I've lost all respect then yes but let's move on big man to Home Alone 5 the Theo. holiday heist or as you put it oh what did I say this oh the Home Alone heist. the joy heist I stole that from you but you were too slow <laughs> damn it uh, yeah. oh, whoever's God. Whoever's I'm um, watching, if you go to Lairbox, go to my account. I've made um, funny reviews in all the Home Alone films. Yeah, it's just funny one-liners. It's brilliant. I'm a funny guy, what can I say? <laughs> yes, but Home Alone 4. Again, you go first. What do you think of Home Alone? Not 4. Home Alone 5. What do you think of Home Alone 5? God, was it refreshing. Like, it's what? not good. Wait, what? I don't think this is, like, this is still... Well, this is the fourth, if I had to rank them. This is the fourth. Because okay. the like the kid acting is not too bad. He's like Finn as a character is okay. Like he's like he's a gamer, and that's a little annoying. Yeah. But the actor himself, I think, did an okay job. Like he wasn't shit. He was decent. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Just, and the the, um, the villains, I can't remember the name of the main guy, but I know that actor because he plays uh, John Loomis in the Halloween remakes. Oh, so does he? Yeah, so seeing him, I was like, oh, uh, Donald? It's not Donald Glover, is it? No. Uh, but no, um, I just remember seeing him and be like, oh, he's in this film. Oh, there might be some redeeming qualities, and he was the best Malcolm villain. McDowell as Sinclair. Ah, uh, yeah, so not, 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 not what I said. I'm a little off. Which didn't show, well, I'm digressing, sorry. Um, okay, I'll pull us back. Did you get a single laugh from this film? Did you yes. laugh one time? Oh, when? Uh, oh, I, I really like dad, the dad and Finn's relationship. Like, I, I, I wrote down here, uh, I was making mm. notes, I said, I'm vibing with the dad and Finn. <laughs> because there were moments, because I hate the mother in this film. 
the mother is like the worst parent out of all the Home Alone films, I think. Oh no, the mother in Home Alone 6 is a dreadful actress. She's a dreadful actress, but in this one, she's just really mean, bitter, and doesn't have like any redeeming qualities. Whereas the dad Fair. is sort of sweet, and like he has this kind of like, oh, we need to get him out of the, like, let him get out of the nest and stuff. There was just yeah. this one scene where the mother's talking to the sister, and they're having like a back on falls, and then the two uh, Finn and the dad are like looking like to each of them like a tennis match, and then they just look at each other, and that look just broke me because like I like these Fair guys. Enough. Yeah, I seem to quite like Dan, Dan and Finn. The other characters are mm. a bit black, but Dan and Finn I like there. I, like and I think it gives it like a nice twist because again the first two are so hearty towards the mother, mm. and in the the last one we just spoke about Home Loop yeah. Four. It's very much like a dad-centric, dad-good, also mother-good, like evil lady, rich lady, bad. But the two parents are still strong. But this film is out-and-out father film. And I do like that. I do think it, the father in this is pretty not bad. Pretty not bad. Uh, but yeah, I do agree the mother was just bitter. And again, I think that's why I call this film soulless, just because you have a mother that is really unlikable. Yeah. The, I, like, the whole time the mother was said anything or was on screen, I just was like, yeah, I don't care. Like, mm. can, we, can we move on from this character? Also, yeah. was this a Paranormal Activity prequel? Because <laughs> that's, again, we were saying earlier about like each new film does something interesting with the plot and they try to do something different. I quite like the direction they took this one in being mm. like this paranormal like weirdness. Like, obviously, there was no Paranormal Activity. But it was nice, like little twist of being like, is the house wanted? Is it not? I think it feeds into the booby traps at the end as well, because for a lot, large part of that sequence, you don't actually see the kid executing them. You just see, like the ones that again, the guy, the gamer guy who was kind of explaining the, the how to do it to him. <laughs> yeah, he was literally just saying, you've got to do traps that you know you don't have to launch manually and this film just takes that to an extreme because you only see him do maybe like two traps out of like 15 and i quite like that because it does again feed into the haunted house like the house is still in this not a kid and i do respect that and the direction they went with that yeah mm. it is obvious a tv movie though like when i was the watching it, I didn't know... yeah because it's the cuts yeah, yeah the cuts to black for obvious adverts and also like the feel of it like yeah it's odd to comment on but the the way it was shot felt really clean like there were weird cuts and weird shots but it felt clean like at no point was i like oh this feels like a hollywood movie i was like this feels like yeah. we got a tv camera crew and we're like let's shoot a home home film because fuck it we can <laughs> was this the film that had the really cool transitions really the really cool ones yeah uh like the, well, the, the four- split screen in the merging the lights merging and stuff uh i know the fourth one had like really shitty like star wars knockoff ones oh the four uh, i was going to mention that earlier yeah the fourth one is like, had, like the pan lights and like the drizzle effects and like they put an eye movie like uh, there's some transitions on there right yeah it's like oh cool a new editing software transitions let's transition. do a transition for every single one and i was like no but yeah i, I was to agree and bounce off your point I think, well, Home Alone 4 is the worst made one. I don't think it's the worst one. Whereas I think Home Alone 5 is the best made one, but the worst one. Really? Yes. I think, the again, the transitions in this film, it looked professional. 
And uh, I think it really puts Home Loan 6 into perspective because with Home Loan 6, whilst well, it's like 2021, I think it looks very 20, uh, 2000s. Yeah. I don't think it looks modern at all. Whereas this film, maybe the characters and the sexual assault, kind of like the mm. whole thing with the bum and whatever, you know, it hasn't aged well. However, I think, cool. yeah, the presentation of the film is actually pretty good. I think, especially for a TV film. And the traps were like, weren't like amazing, but they were like well executed. Like, um, I'm just gonna refer to the main villain as Loomis, just because that's who I know him as. But when yeah. Loomis walks into um, Finn's bedroom <laughs> yeah. and like he tricks him into thinking the house is alive with all this, it's like that was like well shot, well executed, and like it looked visually interesting. It wasn't a yeah. great trap, it looked nice. And seeing Finn in the cupboard pulling all the strings and all that, I was like, Okay, so there's a bit of input from Finn here, and that's quite nice to see. Yeah. But then I so the like, was... lady yeah. couldn't fit through window. <laughs> I'm going to shoot this ball at your ass. And I said, <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, oh. I mean, she's a very pretty lady, but, you know, let's not do yeah, that. Yeah, it's just like, why why have we got to do that, Finn? Finn, why, why have my man's got to do that? Yeah, I think, like, the last three Home Loom films just decided, you know, hot woman, tight pants, and for, you know, that's what we're rolling with. And, again, Ooh, the f- we're going to go with it. Two of those films, bit enough, and uh, in terms of how they execute that, uh, but yeah, when he got wrapped up as a present, it reminded me of like the why are you dressed the chicken bit from Home Name One, I believe it was. Yeah, you know where why he gets just... wrapped up with a present and with like the tape and stuff. I just thought of Home Name One in that moment, which I love that little moment. Like, why are you dressed yeah. the chicken? And then he just stands there. That was hilarious. Yeah, the present you, thing was decent. Why are you dressed like a chicken? Oh, I love him in one. The whole booby trap stuff. It just makes me sad, and I just thought, why didn't... Well, of course, it's a cash cow, but why didn't they just stop? Because even the latest one, even with 2021 and all the good actors out there and the acquisition and the, a massive amount of money that could have went into it, why is it still so bad? Why is this franchise still not captured the essence of Home Loan 1 and 2, and to an extent 3. And I, again, I said it earlier, I just think it doesn't feel very 80s and 90s. It doesn't have that nostalgic vibe for me anymore. And it's too well, not well made, because Home Loan 4 was awfully made, and Home Loan 6 to an extent, but it just doesn't have that, you know, retro vibe for me. Yes, that. Feels like, oh, we need to make Home Loan um, the holiday heist. Well... Let's make Home Alone the Holiday House. Not let's make a warm Christmas film with a strong house. Like let's make a Home Alone film. Exactly. That's why I was thinking. I was like, if I were to make my own Home Alone film, the Christmas would be at the center of it. And I eventually fall. And whilst it was respectable for like the first few, I did find that these movies are now trying to get more plot as opposed to cheap, not cheap, but family emotional call they're making too much effort to have like a story that they actually forget the essence of home alone personally that's how i found it because i found six in particular and five massively actually that they're trying too hard they're trying way too hard just go back to the basics go back to you know christmas vibes and don't and i think five and six and mostly five completely forgets Christmas. It's not a set of Christmas. All you have is a snow kid, which is a bloody waste. Well, mm. not a waste, but why was he there in the first place? What's your character? A lot of snow. 
<laughs> exactly. Like he didn't need to be there. And other than that, kid, you cannot tell it's Christmas, and that is so sad. It's literally ripped the soul off Home Alone in a Home Alone film. And yeah, that's why I dislike this film so much. I think, and that's how I said described it in my conclusion. It's soulless. It didn't get a single laugh from me. It just felt awful, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I, I say I agree with you for the most part, but I feel like there's still something here. Like, there's a neat idea, that the, like the paranormal activity stuff, and I was way more entertained watching this one than I was for. Like, in this one, there were actually, like, I yes. sat down and was like, wait, course, let me yeah. actually, like, let me actually just catch up with what's going on here. And some Were you making noodles oh, while you were watching this or something? Yeah, just, like, having a stir-fry and being like, oh, it's actually kind of interesting. And, like, some of the jokes mm. I think work, like the sister being, like, always on her phone, but then at the end she's reading War and Peace, which her mother was like, you should read War and Peace. <laughs> and then it was the only book they had in the basement. I thought, that's, that's like a neat callback. And even the gamer guy, when he was on the phone to the mother, he handled it poorly, but I, yeah. I still got a giggle. Like, where he's like, it was the, um, your door was in the basement line. I was like, mm. okay. <laughs> that's a pretty good, pretty good, like, line. <laughs> The thing is, we do have to move on to the second one because I do have to go soon. But the fifth one, the final thing I really want to say is, why did he set up booby traps in the first place? Because if you think about it, he needs to get his sister out of the basement, right? And out of the locked door. And there are burglars trying to get into that door. So why don't did, he, why yeah. doesn't he allow them to get into the door? I don't think it's watertight. Like, sure, if you present them as the wet bandit level of murderous people i can understand why you wouldn't want them to get to the basement but the base the villains in this one are doing and are going to do exactly what you want to do yourself so why not let them and come to a negotiable like resolution but if you were to do that you wouldn't have a movie and that's why it makes no sense in my opinion i think we've basically just had our conclusions (laughs) yeah and i gave it a half a star what do you give it i gave it a one star 0.75 0.75 average. Blimey, we don't like this franchise, do we? No. <laughs> no. Uh, so for the final quarter of an hour, we are going to get to Home Alone 6, but not before we do the audience interaction. Well saved, Will. Well Come saved. on, Andrew, fall through for me again. Ah, <laughs> uh, he hasn't watched it. No! <laughs> Only no! one person, except from us, has logged it, and that's Matt Hall, that who gave it half a star. So he yeah. agrees with me. Yes. What a man. Oh, God. So, Home Alone 6. My word. Uh, where to start? It's a brand new film. 2021. What do you think? It's bad. It's yeah. god awful. But I prefer it than Home Alone 4. And I don't mm. think it's a complete wreck. I know you're spoiling, you're like seething with rage right now. I think may have got the transition thing wrong earlier. I think the transitions were very good in Home Sweet Home Alone because I said the editor deserves a knighthood, the casting director deserves execution. Yes. (laughs) So I think the editing in Home Sweet Home Alone was fantastic, and the editing in Home Alone 5 was average the transitions i don't think there were any in home room five so i take that back and sorry to the editor of home room home sweet home room should i say for getting it wrong no home sweet home room the editing was fantastic 
And I think we'll get to why I think the story makes absolute no sense. But I just want to say it now, put it out there. Every single actor in this film is awful. Um, Every I don't know. I like, I like the burglars. They weren't good actors, but I liked them. Like, oh, the mother and the father, yeah. But like, it's that because of the story, that. because it makes them sympathetic, which I think was a massive misstep. So oh. maybe that's why you liked them. See, yeah, I think that this is like the most interesting concept because, like, it's like two burglars, mm. a terrorist, the burglar trying to kidnap a prince, a uh, man wants painting, and then this one's just two parents just want to have make their have a good life with their children and just want to stay in the house. I was like, damn. Yeah, but it, it makes the kids that you're supposedly trying to root for an asshole. And it yeah, makes was... the parents sympathetic. So it, if they intentionally did that, again, the pitch meeting video like presents it as like if you present that to like a person in power, they'd be like, oh, why would I commission that? I wouldn't want to feel bad for the parents. I would want to root for the kids as opposed to the burglars, you know? Mm, I and that's why I think there. the plot twist works as opposed yeah. to the plot twist in Homeland 4, because the plot twist like flips down his head, and I think that was quite good. But the actual story is atrocious, and, and that's my okay. take. What, what do you think? I was just going to say, I wrote down on my notes, I described the kid, the, what was it, Max? I described Max as a sadistic little fuck. Yes. Um, because, yeah, because he's not, he's not the worst kid that's reserved for Homeland 4. But he's the second to worst. Like he's, he's a, yeah. He takes a different tone with it. He's like really snarky. Like he's a bit of an arsehole to everybody, and he's really sadistic. The traps in this one, like in the first two, yeah, there were some brutal traps, but they were played off in a way that, like, oh, this is like a comical, like the most gruesome thing in the first one was like when he stood on the nail or the burning of his head. Those were like the ones that were kind yeah. of gross. In the second one, it was all whimsical. But in this one, like, the kid put pins on the ends of Nerf darts. And I thought that was fucking brutal. And he also set the mother's feet on fire. And afterwards, when she washes them off in the snow, you can see her charred feet. And I thought, Jesus Christ, his kids are, yeah. like... It was a horrible little brat. Because she literally says, she literally says, we don't want to hurt you, we just want to talk. And then he responds to that by burning her feet. Although the alive. one with the coke balls... That was the one joke I did laugh at, where it's like, why have you got so much soda? And then he goes, my parents bulk buy, it's more cost efficient, and he throws the... That, that got a laugh yeah. out of me. It's, it's, a, it's an explanation to why he has about 20 bottles of soda, but yeah. But it also just makes sense, and I thought I was quite just like, uh, yeah, I could see my mum doing that, being like, well, that's what my mum does, she buys like 20 pounds of salt. So then we yeah. don't have to care for like the next decade. But if you're buying that much soda, surely because it's a big family and they're all going on holiday, surely the reason why you brought that soda in the first place was to take it on holiday for the whole family to drink. That would be more explanational to me. Yeah, the plot in this is very weird. Like mm. the Uber was odd, and that the idea that like why was he in the car asleep? At no point did we, at least to my to get memory, away from his family. Yeah, like, he didn't... Like, I don't remember him getting in the car and being like, huh, I'm going to go sleep in the car. I don't... Yeah, did he get uh, yeah, in the yeah. I don't remember getting in the car. He got in the car, and then he was like, oh, TV, great. And then the next time we see him, he's asleep in the car. Because that was fair really enough, dumb. but... Yeah. I, I think it was dumb. 
Like this is the yeah, worst yeah. setup for the kid being left home alone for me. It was just he was in the car asleep. They got to Tokyo and were like, oh shit, we forgot our son. <laughs> yeah. I really dislike this film. I don't think it's the worst yeah. one, but I think I think the use of the few songs of from the original soundtrack didn't work for me initially. And this is the only film that does use the John Williams uh what's it called soundtrack and Initially, I was like, oh, this is a bit hacked on, especially the song from, like, the church. Um, yeah. You know, the church was very similar. And I just thought that is a blatant, you know, ripoff, and it doesn't work. It fit the tone of the 1990 film, 1991, whatever it was, but not now in 2021. Yeah. Absolutely it was a not. clash. Yeah. And I just, again, I don't think it works stylistically on modern films. However, it did begin to fit tonally towards the end. Like, there was a moment in the burglary scene where you actually kind of, there you have a like a moment, like a pink can or flower, whatever, and then it, it's like stops. And then you have a shot of the mother, similar to Harry, I think, in Homeland 1 or 2, and it's the same musical beat and you'd still and because you feel for the burglar at that time you do actually kind of think oh that kind of works that musical little beat there and also at the end where they reuse the music for the like the emotional ending i also liked that so i do think twice it worked but for the first hour the music did not work in my opinion what do you think of that because that is a huge thing the fact that they had the soundtrack in this film from the original so yeah i i wrote down that like the callback I mean, at the beginning i like the callbacks to like the McAllister security systems i thought that was quite clever yeah but then as it, the film went on and there were more callbacks i i literally just wrote down the callbacks were a little too much on the nose and mm. in all the other films i i made notes on the soundtrack and what i thought of them this one i just didn't write anything because it was yeah. just so it just didn't really even impact on me i just yeah. don't remember what like apart from the using the church song, which I was like, oh, that's the same song, but over a less a lesser scene. Even though it was still quite funny, mm. it was it was as good as Home Alone One, the scene they used it for. But like overall, oh the no, 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 meh. no, yeah. And again, the thing that makes the song in the church so iconic to Home Alone is because of the dad, not the dad, the grandfather. Like mm. the heart of that first movie was the grandfather. And the relationship with the son and the granddaughter and the shift, well, not the shift, the rift, should I say, between them. And the fact that he was there and such a pivotal balancing scene of that film and that story was him in the church. It's such a special moment. And that's why the soundtrack is so beautiful. But the fact that they added on to a scene from this film that feels so empty, it has no story. The daughter is singing there for reasons we don't actually with her shoulder way too exposed yes that and it just feels very empty and it's homage but it's bad homage if they didn't have that i would have been reasonably happy with the fact that they did the reference to the you know the uh merry christmas you filthy animal movie you know they've remade that and the guy says oh I don't know why they keep doing these remakes, never better than the original. And I was like, you know what? That feels very tacked on, but I'm not mad at that. 
I'll allow it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, exactly. I'll allow it. But the church music actually kind of frustrated me because it was like, okay, you're doing this about four, five times now, and it's just not working. It's missing every single time. And then eventually it did get solid. So I thought, you know what? Sure. But the music, yeah. It can't be John Williams's Home Alone 1 and 2 school. I'm sure you can agree. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I do have to can. assume. So, any final um, thoughts on Home Sweet Home Alone feel? I was just going to say, I this out of all the Home Alone films, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the only one to have a day new more to it. Yes, I know it's that. Yeah, and first one. That really fucking took me by surprise because it just ended with like one year. I was like, wait, what is there to elaborate on? We've done the mushy shit. Can we end now, please? Yeah. What was at the end of this film? What, what was uh, it? Oh, no, it was like the. Christmas fa- with the both families yeah. over. But I was like, wait, why are they celebrating Christmas together? Because last thing you know, they just looked after your kid when you left him home alone. And now all of a sudden we're like one big family. What the fuck? Money. I, was, I, was, Money just, I, just, <laughs> I just remember just going a fucking denouement when it came on. Like, I was so taken aback by this. It is appalling. And it's one of the worst films this year, released this year, should I say? Yeah, definitely. None of these films, for how bad they are, are as bad as Cosmic Sin. And I, if you think you've seen bad films in your time and nothing could be worse than the worst film you've ever seen, watch Cosmic Sin. That is the worst film that I have seen and it is appalling. So go watch that film if you haven't already. Nothing. I think not one up. Slightly redeemable. Wait, what is it? American Psycho 2, All American Girl. I'll have a quick Google. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So, did I do the audience interaction for Home Sweet Home Alone? Uh, no. It's literally just one with you again. There's no conclusion or the given our rating chat, I don't think. No, oh, yeah. But I might give it a half a star again. Uh, so, do you want to do. And that wraps up the audience interaction, but let's go back to the conclusion and the score. Phil, you want to go first again? Um, overall, this was a really shit film. There's not a lot that I'm going to. I'm not going to rewatch this in my own time, but it's not the worst Home Alone film. And it's not the worst film ever. Yeah. But I still give it a one star out of five. Fair enough. Um, I'll just be repeating myself again, but I said the editor deserves a knighthood. The casting director deserves execution and the writer. They made it the kid an asshole and gave the burglars a feasible story. Good plot twist, though. Using quite a few songs from the original soundtrack didn't work for me initially, but eventually it began to fit tonally and I respect the homage or homage, however you want to say it. And then I have received a response from Jamie in the last 20 minutes, and he said, I heard that they made the bad guys sympathetic and actually good guys, but that completely defeats the point of Home Alone, as now you don't laugh at the traps, as they're not being given out to people who deserve them like the other five. That's oh, funny. well, yeah, I, it's exactly I, yeah. my point there. I, I agree. can agree with that, because yeah. I've felt the whole time that these traps were like really brutal compared to the rest, and they're on the, exactly. the nicest bandits. Yeah, and he said, oh, well, I saw the bus scene online, and that did make me laugh, but I'm not watching the rest of the film. Coward. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the pain, Jimmy, enjoy the pain. Uh, so I have to go in literally one minute. Briefly, I will be back. So uh, do you want to wrap up? Go wrap up um this was the review of the entire home loan franchise uh i've been put through hell and honestly rewatching them was interesting i think we'll kind of got that as well 
from it. But this has been the Christmas special, and I hope it's made your Christmas day as a little present for you all. And I hope that you're all sat around a nice warm campfire with your family, sitting down with a nice hot cocoa, and then you put this on just for us to ruin your Christmas. But I guess that's me wrapping this up. So thank you all, and have a merry, merry Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Quite like this power, you know. I am the captain now. I am the captain now. This is going to be fun when he has to go back and edit all this out. But you know what? That's just more editing. So that's fun. I'm just going to make his life misery by putting a lot of talking bits at the end here. Really just going to draw this recording. Just, you know. If Home Sweet Home Loon can have a denouement, so can we. So this is my denouement. It's just me rambling. New Spider-Man was good. At least the Spider-Man was good. Fair. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I just come back to that. I mean, yeah, I'm watching a few days. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm noticing out my wrapping up. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm sure it was I'm sure it was solid. But, yeah, I think we can't go without saying this is the final ever episode of the podcast. We're wrapping it up. Uh, Phil, thank you for stepping in at last minute and seeing out, like, the final three or four, three episodes of the podcast um it's been a pleasure it has been a great pleasure and an honor villain murder it just reminded me of the colin baker quote there i love colin baker and ironically actually i like colin baker i do like colin baker he's he's a solid lad a man how have you yeah he's a nice guy nice um but yeah this started out as like a little poxy idea and it turned out into something big eventually after all i had to do to actually get this channel popping somewhat is spend 50 quid. So, you know, it was worth it. It was worth it. Uh, so, <coughs> thank you. <laughs> so, you literally just shot at the mood there. <laughs> just, just died. Sorry. <laughs> the sentiment just out the window. <laughs> yeah, I was getting emotional. Uh, bring, yeah. bring that down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you guys for watching. Um, I hope you weren't too harsh. I hope you found our opinions interesting. This has been our review of Home Alone, the franchise, and I hope you guys have a fantastic Christmas. Um, if you want to keep up to date with us, Fear, what are you doing nowadays? Where can people find you? Um, I have a YouTube channel, uh, Soup Productions. I believe it's in my letterbox profile where I mainly upload YTPs, but maybe some projects in the future if I ever get bored enough. <laughs> nice. I'll put that in the description as well of this one so you guys can go uh, click that and subscribe over there. Um, as for me, I make talk to reviews. Very comedic. Uh, not very comedic. I don't want to be out myself, but yeah, you might find it funny. That'll be in the link in the description as well. Uh, what else do I do? I do Who Game Shows. Link what in the description. else do I do? <laughs> well, sorry, I have no well, idea. What else do I do? Uh, we released, or we are going to release a Spin the Wheel Doctor Who podcast Christmas special. That channel has been dead in the water for many months, but me, Jamie, who's been mentioned a few times during this review, and Toby are going to be doing that in a few days' time. Well, technically, we yeah, it's about, been. We talk about Doctor Who the Wardrobe, tell him I said shite. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. There, if you're into Doctor Who, we have mentioned it a lot. I know a lot of our followers are Doctor Who fans, so yeah, do go over there and 
hear our thoughts on all of the Doctor Who Christmas specials. Um, but yeah, that wraps everything up. Our letterbox reviews uh, and our letterbox accounts are in the uh, in the description again. The links are there. So if you want to keep up to date with what we're watching, what we think of films, do head on over there and give us a follow. Uh, Phil, thank you again. Any final words before you die? Before I, before I get sent off to the Shadow Realm. Yes. Um, no. It was very enjoyable being on. Thank you for having me these past couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. I hope and I wish our lovely audience a very, very Merry Christmas. Indeed. Happy Christmas. Enjoy the festivities. See you guys in a bit. Peace out. See ya. Time.